Ladies and gentlemen, sit back and get comfortable. But not too comfortable. It's the WCHL Podcast with WCHL Commissioner Christopher Perry and Andrew Majorkirk. Yes, indeedy duty. This is the WCHL podcast. I am the commissioner, Christopher Perry, and once again, no Andrew Majorkirth, but even better, all the way from sunny Tempe, America. It's the play-by-play man extraordinaire for the Arizona State Sun Devils. It's Niall Cooper. Niall, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Hello to Chris. I'm sorry we uh, we couldn't get Andrew on this week. I think that's three straight times I've missed him. Oh, we've uh, gone to record one of these. Well, it, it, come on, Niall. Andrew is he's you know he's kind of like the the door prize. So it's yeah, I think you're the big <laughs> winner for not having Andrew on here. But we can you know if if it all if you know how about this when all is said and done. We'll just have a free-for-all. I'll have a Zoom call at the end. We'll have you. We'll have Andrew. We'll have uh, Anita Suchia. And we'll also have Curtis Johnson on. And it'll just be one feeding frenzy to talk about Nationals, the results. How does that sound? Hey, that works. I'm sure we uh, we won't be stepping on each other's toes at all during that. No, no. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, be careful what you ask for there, Niall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a blessing Andrew's not here, but don't tell him that. So Okay. All right. Hey, Niall, for the second year in a row, Arizona State is on the receiving end of a bump from Nationals. They finished in the top 20, but they not high enough to avoid the bump from an auto bid. Uh, you broadcast all their home games or most of all their home games. Tell me, uh, you know, give me the Niall Cooper assessment on Arizona state season. Well, I would say the season started off very promising for Arizona state. They opened the year, uh, not including the division two matchup to open a, uh, six and L record out of the gate. They got as high as number three ranking in October. I know everyone out here, in Arizona was getting really excited. You know, the weather was cooling down. The ice was getting better. Arizona State was looking great. And then they went out and had to go up against the juggernaut that is UNLV uh, just before Halloween. And I think it was quite a scare indeed for Arizona State because after that, the season seemed to turn a little bit for them. Yeah. And from there on out for Arizona State, it was very much um, a little touch and go. You know, sometimes you'd get a really good effort. Sometimes... You wouldn't quite get uh, what you'd expect out of them. There were, you know, obviously some injuries along the way. Everyone deals with that. Um, And unfortunately, ASU came oh so close, finishing the year, I believe, ranked 20th and just missing out on going to Nationals. It was a fun year. They definitely had their high moments. Uh, We got to see some fun games. I don't know if you got to see the game where they played at Mullet Arena out here. I did. Where the NCAA team plays for Arizona State, but... There were a lot of highs, uh, unfortunately a few lows, and just missing out. It was uh, it was a bittersweet ending to a season. I figure that um, the Arizona State team probably got a bunch of gifts sent to them from Edmond, Oklahoma, at the University of Central Oklahoma, for that big overtime win over uh, UNLV, which pretty much secured the WCHL championship for UCO, since UCO and UNLV were neck and neck up until that point in the season. 
I think I think we might have had a couple boxes come in from the state of Oklahoma. I didn't get a chance to open them, so I can't speak to the contents. But I'm sure I'm sure that was a big night for everyone in out in Oklahoma. I mean, UCO back to back WCHL champs. That's certainly nothing to uh, hang your hang your hat on or ignore. I know the rest of the league is can certainly get caught up as you know we know and all the teams on the East Coast doing their thing. But the WCHL is. I thought this year was a real juggernaut with the top five, six teams. And for UCO to go back-to-back, I thought was really impressive. Well, and especially your your division that uh, of the WCHL that you're in, all five teams in your division ended up in the top 25. I mean, that's how, that's how tough it was because, you know, UNLV finishes the season, what, number four, Arizona number 11. You have Utah at 17. ASU at 20 and Grand Canyon slipped in there what 24 25 something like that so uh I mean holy smokes five teams all in the same division all in the top 25 that's a murderer's row (laughs) it certainly is I I was very impressed with uh, a lot of the action for all those teams I think especially I got to tip my hat to Grand Canyon you know we see obviously having three teams in the state of Arizona is pretty impressive in its own right but Grand Canyon I thought have done a great job kind of moving up the ranks in the last few years. And they certainly gave Arizona state some fits. They played hard against the university of Arizona. Um, I saw they finished the year off against UNLV. So, you know, it's just great to see the teams in the WCHL. I mean, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? So they're, everyone's competing against each other. It just seems like everyone's getting better and better each year. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, let me ask you brought up the mullet arena. What was that like for you? Um, as a broad from a from a broadcaster perspective, because you have been uh, for years at Oceanside's up there in what I call the Ken Lynn Love Nest, up there at that <laughs> br- broadcast position uh, above the benches there at Oceanside Arena, and all of a sudden you move over to the Powers Palace Mullet Arena. What was what was that experience like for you? And are you did you get used to it? Because I got a feeling you're going to be playing a lot of games over there next year. Uh, I certainly hope that's the case. I, I would love nothing more than that. I think the experience of going in there just for one night was extremely cool. Uh, you know, having to get a press pass to go in there felt pretty special. We got to set up right at center ice, um, right where the radio uh, broadcasts and all the media members set up during Arizona State and Arizona Coyotes games. And it was it was great. The ice obviously looked amazing. I've heard tons of reviews of how good the ice is at mullet arena and i would certainly say it's a it's an upgrade over the perch that we had at oceanside ice arena for so many years (laughs) but admit it come on you're gonna miss oceanside you're gonna miss bunking your head on the random pipe every now and then you're gonna miss breathing in the odd thing it might be asbestos it might just be insulation you don't know what it is (laughs) Uh, you're going to, you're going to miss a little bit of that Oceanside ambiance, huh? I think, I think I'll miss a certain degree of it. You know, I, I definitely got to bust out my thicker jackets, which in the state of Arizona, you don't get to do very often. And luckily Oceanside was always about negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So it was a, it was a good hockey atmosphere and, uh, the low ceilings, the possibly asbestos insulation, you know, it just, all around it, there's nothing like it in, in college hockey. <laughs> well, the poor girl is uh, going to see the, the wrecking ball here pretty soon. Oceanside, I think, what, it's it's it next week or maybe the week afterwards where they're having one last skate at Oceanside? 
Uh, yeah, they're going to have one final skate here in about a week. Uh, I believe it's this upcoming week, and it's just going to be a send-off. Anyone that wants to come out, lace up their skates, can go out and just have one final goodbye, give a quick little you know, skate around the uneven ice surface that is Oceanside before she eventually gets torn down once and for all. Is there something up there from the uh, broadcast position that uh, you're going to try to sneak in and, and maybe bring home as a as a memento? Are you going to maybe try you to know, steal, steal the, that electronic lock off the door that keeps people, that doesn't really keep people from climbing the stairs there? Well, that uh, actually that lock ended up uh, falling apart this year. So we, <laughs> uh, we, had, we had no lock on the door for most of the season, so... <laughs> unfortunately that that idea went out the window early on yeah i you know i would take the the big pipe that's back there behind us you know it's been <laughs> a staple of our broadcasts yeah but it's a uh, i noticed it's looked a little heavy for me to carry home so i'm just gonna have to stick with stick with all the memories i have not not, not gonna take one of those uh bar stools that uh that, that have are with all the cracked leather on top and uh that, that are up there sitting on top of chicken wire basically I always wondered if uh, somebody, you know, I'm, gr- I'm grateful I didn't go back there. I probably would have uh, fallen through the damn chicken wire and, uh, you know, fallen through that floor. It's it's not exactly the uh, the most um, sturdy flooring up there in the Kinlin Love Nest. No, it's it was definitely, I think MacGyver might have come through and put that together for us because <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting choice for flooring. Yeah. Well, hey, very good, and we're glad. Hopefully, you'll play more games at the Mullet than you will at the Mountain, whatever it is, Mountain West Credit Union Practice Facility, or Mountain Family. I don't know what what's that. What's the practice rink called over there? Uh, that would be the Community Iceplex. I believe it's the Mountain West Credit Union. There it is. I have not had a chance to get in there yet. Uh, Mountain America Community Iceplex. There you go, Mountain That's America. Yeah, well, hopefully, uh, I got I got a funny feeling it's probably not nearly as um, glammed out as the other rink that's in that same building. So, uh, hopefully, you'll play more games over at the Mullet than you will at the Mountain West Family Arena or Mountain <laughs> Credit Union, whatever Mountain America uh, Family Arena. So, all right, a hey, Nile, it's Nationals time, and even though Arizona State's not going. Um, there are three teams from the WCHL that are going, and I pre- I'm pretty sure you've seen two of those three teams. So uh, I figured, why not have Niall Cooper on here? Let's uh, get his expertise and uh, let him make some uh, some wild guesses. And maybe who knows? Maybe you know you'll you'll be the one that we bring to Las Vegas when we when it's time for us to go to the casino because your predictions are so dead on. It might might just happen. We'll have to go back, and I'm a little scared to look back at last year, but I thought I might have picked the winner correctly a year ago. I'm not sure. Yeah, I thought Lindenwood was my team, but we'll we'll see how this year goes. You know, okay. I put in a little bit of time, did some research. I'm feeling confident. Well, that and see, Ryan, I, I'm, Niall, that's why I just called you Ryan because I was thinking my son just texted me. I'm sorry. Um, the reason why we have you on here, Nile, is because you've done the research. You you prepare. You don't just don't get on here like a dumb commissioner and start blibber blabbering around. You actually put some effort into this thing, and uh, that's that's why your broadcasts are top notch, and that's why uh, that's why we had you on here. So let's get right to it. The games start on Thursday. 
in less than uh, seven days, and the 13 through 20 teams play on Thursday starting at 10 in the morning. That's 10 Eastern, Nile. so that would be, what is that mountain Arizona time? Well, and, and hey, we've, we're coming up on uh, daylight savings time, so you're not going to jump ahead. Arizona's going to stay put, right? Correct. So, so you'll, that'll be uh, that's about 7, 7.30 in the morning. Oh, boy. Can you imagine? Oh, well, of course, you get to wake up and boom, hockey's on, so that's not bad. But, yeah, uh, roll out of bed, you know, uh, on the hockey. Yikes. All right, things are going to get underway at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Arizona time. Grand Valley State, the number 13 seed, is taking on number 20 Buffalo. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Number 20 Buffalo is ranked number 58th by the computer. But they won their uh, conference playoffs, so they snuck in with an auto bid. Grand Valley State plays in that uh, Great Lakes League. So the Lakers of Grand Valley State versus the, I don't know what the Buffaloes are. they got to be Bulls or something like that. I think they're the Bulls. Let's call them the Bulls. Lakers versus Bulls. That's, a, that's an <laughs> NBA game right there. Lakers versus Bulls. What do you, who do you got there, Niall? Well, if this was the 80s, I'd have to take the Bulls. But unfortunately, it's not, and I think Grand Valley State will get a nice soft opener into Nationals. No, no disrespect to Buffalo, but I'm thinking Grand Valley State. I mean, they have two of the top point getters in all the ACHA, and Gage Thrail and Shane Haggerty, and I think their offense is just going to be a little too potent for Buffalo to handle, and I expect gvsu to get through with no problems look at you not dropping names knowing stats you are on top of things and it's only game one out of 19 <laughs> holy crap now we'll, this we'll is see if this holds up <laughs> you're saying you're trying to manage my expectations here i see what you're doing here all right game number two sees the knights of calvin uh against the midshipmen of navy the number 19 seed so that's number 14 versus 19 calvin versus navy what do you think there nile well, I think that'll be a much more close game than we saw previously with the opening game. Uh, Navy is, you know, when you think of Navy athletics, maybe back in the day, it's something to behold nowadays, I think, especially with you think of their football um, or their other programs. They're not always thought of in the highest regard, but Navy's had a good year, and I think they're definitely going to be quite uh, a handful for Calvin. I mean, they have a great goaltender and Charles Doherty, and I know Navy plays a hard game. As far as Calvin goes, though, they do have one of the top point getters in the league, and they made it to the GLCHL championship game and played Adrian, one of the top teams in the country, and only lost 3-1. to one. So I think this is a Calvin team that you know has proven in the regular season that they are up to snuff, and then going up against Adrian, giving them all they could handle, Recently, uh, I would say this Calvin team definitely has the edge as the 14th seed, and I expect them to make it through to the next round. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that 3-1 to one loss that Calvin suffered in the uh, playoff championship game, that was a, actually a 2-1 to one game, and uh, Adrian scores uh, the empty netter to make it 3-1. to one. No, I mean, the final score is 3-1, to one, but what I'm saying is it was a little bit closer even than that two-goal right. score indicated. So. All right, very nice. Calvin and Grand Valley State so far are Niles' picks. Game three on Thursday pits Illinois State, the Redbirds from my B conference, the Midwest College Hockey, against uh, number 18, IUP. They are the champions of the Pittsburgh Conference, uh, College Hockey Mid-America. Illinois State, IUP, Redbirds, Scarlet Hawks, something like that. Screaming Red Eagles, I don't know what they are. So, what do you think? Bird-on-bird bird violence. 
Well, we've seen bird-on-bird violence in, in many sports over the years, and I think, if nothing else, we'll give Illinois State the nod here just because I had to look up IUP, and it's the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. I don't imagine that anyone majors in geography at IUP just based on the name alone. So right there, you know, that's throwing me off. But, you know, like you mentioned, they did win the playoffs recently, but that win was against Robert Morris, who finished the year ranked number 33 in the country. So not exactly a top-tier win to finish the season off with. I think Illinois State, though, in the bird-on-bird violence certainly gets the nod. They have a great tandem of two goalies between Brendan Donovan and Mark I'm sorry, Mark. Imbersia. What's your name here? Imbersia. Imbersia. Yep. Okay, see, I would never wouldn't have gotten that. But the two of those guys have combined for 27 total wins on the year. And they played the Jamestown Jimmies in their respective championship game. And Jamestown is certainly a top opponent. So I think, you know, I'm going with the chalk so far, Chris, but I think Illinois State definitely gets the win here over IUP. Illinois State has a couple of really good forwards, too. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're, they like to play a possession game. Um, but, uh, Illinois state, when they get going, uh, offensively, they start rolling. They have a, a, the MVP from the, um, or the player of the year, I guess I should say from the B conference, number 18, Tony Campisi, who scores a lot of their goals. And they got a kid number 77. Who's a little jitterbug. He's just a water bug. He can skate and he fits into the smallest of places. <laughs> His name is Casey Colantonio and, uh, yeah, Illinois state, but with those, uh, with whether it's Imbergia or Donovan, and Donovan is the number one, and Imbergia is the one A. But uh, with either one of those guys back there, and then all the uh, offensive firepower that they that they can roll out there, um, yeah, I think they can do some damage. So uh, I'm good. I like that. Okay, Illinois State over IUP, um, and uh, yeah, very good. And then hey, the next game is uh, the nightcap on Thursday. The 16-17 game, it's the Blue Devils of Lawrence Tech against Michigan-Dearborn. The I don't know, they're the Wolverines. I don't know how that works. I mean, come on. If you if there's like Arizona <laughs> State, is there an, a satellite campus for Arizona State? Uh, not not exactly, no. I, I'm, a, I'm not quite sure what to make of University of Michigan-Dearborn either. Yeah, I mean, come on. if Because they, they call themselves the Wolverines. That's like... If there was a, a Flagstaff campus of ASU and them calling them the Sun Devils, I mean, most yeah, offshoot that campuses, just fit right. yeah, most offshoot campuses have their own. They they don't take on the uh, the 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 uh, mascot of the of the big campus. So, uh, right, Colorado Spring, Colorado, Colorado Springs, they're they're different than Colorado Boulder. Um, I, I know Oklahoma State, o- Oklahoma City is different than Oklahoma State Stillwater. So, UT Arlington is different than UT Austin. So I don't get these Dearborn folks, but hey, they're the Wolverines. So Wolverines, Blue Devils, number sixteen, number seventeen. What do you think? Well, we have our closest matchup of Thursday, at least numbers wise, between seventeen and sixteen, and I think that's going to show up in the game as well. I think these are two pretty evenly matched teams. You know, we went from the Battle of the Birds. Now we're going to the Battle of the Blue teams here. If you look at the logos, um, University of Michigan-Dearborn, the Wolverines have the top score in the entire ACHA on their team. And Brandon West is averaging 2.3 points per game, which just blows my mind. Wow. In a full season of games to be averaging over two points per game. I mean, talk about an impact player. He has 45 assists on the year. That's 
That's just some top-end offense. And he's not the only top offensive guy, but he is number one in the entire ACHA. But then, you know, Lawrence Tech has a top-five goaltender in terms of save percentage on their team. And both of these teams are very familiar with each other as Lawrence Tech lost to UM Dearborn in the WHAC semis. So these teams have played recently. They're familiar with each other. They're kind of can balance each other out in terms of offense against defense. And I think this is going to be a very fun game and should be pretty close. But I am going to take Dearborn to win the rematch. Wow. Against okay. All right. Very good. I, in fact, I think, I think, Niall, if you look, the past four, this, this will be in the, the fourth meeting in the last five games for each of these guys. In other words, out of the last five games, both teams have played. Uh, four of them have been against either Dearborn or, or or Lawrence Tech. They've played one another. It's just insane. They've ended the season with a uh, with a home and home series. Then they went to their respective conference uh, playoffs and played a game there. And then they met, like you said, in the uh, uh, in in the con- in the whack conference playoffs. Whack. Yeah, I mean that, that is a good point, Chris. That is a good point. And I will say, just in favor of my pick. You know, no, there's certainly no bias to these stats. These are raw stats I'm giving you. But yep. University of Michigan Dearborn has won the last three contests in a row versus Lawrence. So oh, yeah. Yeah. if we're going off the history, I'm taking the Wolverines of the satellite Michigan campus. See, no, I, I, I like it. And if you look on the season series, they've played a total of five games already. UMD has won four of them. So, you know, if you're a... If you're a Las Vegas, if you're going, you know, uh, based on results, you're saying, hey, UMD is going to do it again. Of course, you know, the the gambler will sit there and go, ah, you know, Lawrence Tech is due. Um, but uh, I like how you're, I like how you're thinking there, Niall. I'm, I think, you know, Lawrence Tech is brand new to nationals. Dearborn's been there. And I think they'll be, uh, I think they'll prevail again. So, all right. Day one says Grand Valley State. Um, Calvin, Illinois State, and Michigan Dearborn, those are Niles winners. And Nile, you know what that means. On day two, Friday, those winners get the pleasure of losing to the one through four seeds. So <laughs> Grand Valley State, congratulations, you beat Buffalo. Now you get to play UNLV. What do you think is going to happen in that game? Well, Chris, you and I are a little more well-versed than most people in terms of what UNLV brings to the table. And having seen UNLV a few times this year, I can certainly say with confidence that that is one of the most balanced top to bottom teams in the entire country. They have amazing goaltending. They play wonderful defense. Their chemistry up top is really something to behold. When they start snapping the puck around, they know exactly where it's going to go at all times. And Arizona State, they were able to get a win against UNLV late in the season at home at Oceanside. And I do have to credit that victory. I think a good chunk of that game was UNLV trying to adjust to the not-so-perfect ice conditions that were Oceanside Ice Arena. Uh And they still, in spite of that, they were moving the puck like a professional franchise out there at times. So I think UNLV, the number four seed, certainly is deserving of a top-four ranking. And I think Grand Valley State, having not had a chance to play UNLV, is going to be in for one heck of a treat, and I expect the Rebels to 
make it out of there with the win. Yeah, UNLV's got some speed up front. They've got two two they've got really good defense, but two really good defensemen in in Johnson and McCollum. And then uh, whether you throw last year's number one uh, in net Wixon or this year's number one in net Pavl- Pavlison, UNLV's uh, UNLV I think is going to just stomp all over Grand Valley. I, I don't think Grand Valley knows what's coming. I think that speed <laughs> will just shock them because I, I agree. Yeah, I mean in that game that we're that we're referencing where UNLV had to adjust to the uh, wonderful ice there at Oceanside. I mean, ASU jumped out to a three to nothing lead going into what was it, the third period? And uh, that is correct. Yeah, and then bada bing, bada boom, in like ten seconds, all of a sudden it seems like it's three to two when you knew it was gonna happen. UNLV tied it up and eventually uh forced you know, they had to they the game went to overtime, but UNLV is potent and when they get going, man, watch out. So they're yeah, they're they an excellent team. Potent. Yeah. All right, so Grand Valley State, thanks for coming. Thanks for beating Buffalo. Take your uh, consolation prize and get the heck out of here. UNLV is going to thump you on the head. Uh, Calvin gets the – they beat Navy. Congratulations. You get a rematch with Adrian. We've already talked about how Adrian beat them 3-1 to in the championship game of their conference playoffs. What do you think is going to happen here at Nationals when the the Murdoch Cup is on the line? (laughs) Well, I think – for everyone that's going to be tuning in and watching, they're going to be thinking, oh, man, we have the number 14 seed against Adrian, the number three. This can't possibly be close. This, There's no way it's going to be close. I think it is going to be close, Chris, and I am going to go ahead and put my money where my mouth is, and I'm saying the first major upset of the tournament is right here. Calvin, having played Adrian recently, knowing the ins and outs of their team, knowing their strengths, I think Calvin comes out and they surprise Adrian in the first game that Adrian has to play in this tournament. And I think Calvin gets the win. Whoa, look at this. Niall Cooper standing out, going on a limb with a big upset. Number 14 takes down number three, Adrian. Now, I got to admit, if that happens, that's going to screw up our Sunday because Calvin has a rule, or I shouldn't say a rule, Calvin has a policy of them being a, uh, they're a religious school, so they don't play on Sundays. Right. And um, because that's why, if you look at the bracket games, uh, the games on Sunday, there are some games that have multiple times. And that's because if Calvin wins, their game will be played at Sunday at 8 o'clock. And we'll have to adjust the other game. So, wow. Okay. Calvin, according to Niall, says, uh, get out of here, Bulldogs. Adrian, we've seen enough of you. Number three is going to go down early. Impressive. All right. The next game is going to pit number 15, Illinois State, against the number two seed, the Ohio Bobcats. You got another upset there, or are you going chalk? Uh, we can only have so many upsets in one of these brackets, Chris. So <laughs> this, is, this is a great opportunity to go ahead and look at how uh, offensively talented Ohio University is. And I think it's an easy choice to take the number two seed there. Certainly no disrespect to Illinois State. I think that they are a great program. And they might give Ohio State a run for their money, in fact. But uh, Ohio, the University of Ohio, I should say, I think is just going to be a very, very good team. And I'm sure there are a lot of people's picks to make it all the way to the championship. Yeah, yeah, they're they're they've been uh, they've been rolling all season long. Ohio has so uh, yeah, very good. Okay, so Illinois State's dream comes to an end at the hand of the Bobcats. Uh, such is life. 
And then, hey, the next game, the final game on Friday night, pits number one Minot, the Beavers of Minot State, against uh, the Wolverines again of Michigan-Dearborn. Now, that's a real wild uh, wilderness type of affair, beaver on Wolverine violence right there. I mean, I've got to say, if I'm out in the woods, if I'm Jeremiah Johnson walking around and I see a beaver and a Wolverine fighting, I think I might be taking the Wolverine, but this is hockey, not real life. So what do you think there, Niall? Minot State versus Michigan-Dearborn. Well, you know, like you said, I wouldn't take the beaver in the wild, but the beavers on the ice, I think that might be a whole nother thing entirely. You know, they have the the tail to help kind of balance them out. I mean, we talk about, you know, beaver tapping for passes. So I think there's just a little more beaverness in hockey than there is in Wolverines. Nonetheless, Minot State, the number one team in the country. I mean, what can't they do? They are just a juggernaut of a team. And they went 24-2 and two this year. That's one heck of a record. I think UMD has a little bit of the offense to potentially compete with Minot, but I think Minot's just too deep and too strong of a program. I think they'll make it through there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Minot's, Minot's going to be tough to beat. Minot's going to be very tough to beat. All right, so uh, Friday, the Friday winners, UNLV, Ohio, Minot State, and the upstart winner, Adrian gets knocked out by number 14, Calvin so says Niall Cooper. All right, all you Adrian folks listen, that listen to the podcast, send your uh, hate mail to Niall Cooper at IHateAdrian.com. So Sorry, folks. there you yeah. <laughs> Don't hate. Nobody listens to this podcast now. You ought to know that by now. I mean, we only have like 14, 15 listeners. They're all in Springfield, Missouri, so don't worry about it. Nobody, okay. yeah, I don't even think they have the internet in Adrian. So, I mean, that's, that's way up there in Michigan. So, come on. That's too cold for the internet to work. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. All right, I feel a little safer now. Yeah. All right, Saturday sees the 5 through 12 teams uh, going at it. And Liberty is the number five seed. They'll kick things off at 10 in the morning against number 12 Pitt. Pitt wins the Eastern States League, uh, both the regular season and the conference playoffs. Liberty used to be in that conference, but they wisely got out and are now playing as an independent. So Liberty versus Pitt, 5 through 12, Flames and Panthers. And I think usually number 5, number 12, that's typically where we get to see a lot of the upsets in a lot of these different tournaments and brackets because those are usually teams that are pitted against each other that should probably be a little closer ranked. And Pitt... You know, they went out and they demolished Niagara in the ESCHL championship game eight to two. Yeah, it was ugly. And and it was it was ugly. It was one heck of a win for Pitt. And then you look at number five Liberty, and as an independent school, Liberty has had the pleasure of playing some of the top teams in all of the country this year, finishing the season off with series against the number one, two, and three teams, Minot, Ohio, and Adrian. They split all three of those series. So Liberty comes in here knowing what some of the best teams in the country look like, knowing what top end hockey looks like. And I am not going to be taking the upset here. I think number five Liberty moves on. There you go. All right. Now the next one is sad. It's a sad game for the commish because I only have three teams from the Western Collegiate Hockey League in the, in the tournament this year. And two of them are playing one another right out of the gate. Um, so this, this just sucks for the old commish. 
Now, this is going to be an easy pick for you, though, Niall, because as an Arizona <laughs> State broadcaster, I know which way you're uh-huh. going to pick. Because really? game, game two, yes, game two pits number six, Central Oklahoma, against number 11, Arizona, the hated rival of Arizona State. What do you? What is it that the Sun Devils say? No pity for the kitty? Um, uh, that is one of the many sayings. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably the only one we can say on this podcast without putting an explicit <laughs> label on there. So get, go ahead, just get it out of your system, Niall. You, you know you're gonna, you're not gonna root for, you're not gonna pick Arizona, right? Well, you know, I try to maintain, Chris, a sense of objectivity here <laughs> when I'm going through these. Yes. And looking at number eleven, University of Arizona, I do think they're one of the teams that's not ranked in the top ten of the tournament that I think could potentially give trouble for a lot of schools, especially with them playing on the West. You know, a lot of the Eastern teams don't see them. And unfortunately for you and for everyone else here is rooting on the WCHL, they have to play UCO, a conference team right out of the gate. Like you said, I think U of A is interesting because they started off the year pretty slow. They didn't have the usual top, um, top end start that you'd expect from them. They've pretty much been the cream of the crop in the state of Arizona for the last few years now. And they really, it took them a little while, but they've kind of found their groove and finished the year off on a real hot streak, ascending up the rankings at an astronomical pace the last month or two of the year, all the way up to 11. And I think that they certainly could give some teams some trouble, but I don't think that's going to happen against UCL. I think (laughs) the Broncos dispatch them quickly. All right. All right. I see how you, you, you had me going there. You had me thinking, wow, he's really going to, you know, pick his arch rival and he's going to do it. He's going to, you know, you had me on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh man, he's going to do it. I, U of A has got some good goaltending there in Nolan Bivolchik. Um, they've got some, uh, they've got a, a really good freshman, Dylan Walker, who's a heck of a forward. They've got some strong defense, they're in Cameron Timor, and I know they've added some. Uh, well, I mean Jesse Lowell is a mainstay there. You know Matthew yeah. Hole is a mainstay on the on the blue line, and they've added some uh, some some punch up on the front with uh, with Jackson Mace. So I know they've got the. Um, I know they can do it. The question will be, um, you know, UCO is just they're they're a streamlined machine sometimes. Um, you know, if, if Arizona can get UCO and UNLV are very comparable in that they have a ton of talent, but if they don't maintain their composure, they also have the capability to rack up a ton of penalty minutes and give the opportunity, some power plays to their opponents. And if U of A can get UCO off the, uh, you know, out of their comfort zone and taking some penalties, then this could be a, 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 this could be a, a surprise victory for U of A, but uh, yeah, I think UCO has just got a lot of just just big guns up front, and it's going to be tough. No, I agree. I think special teams could be the difference if Arizona wants to have any shot against the back-to-back winners, but I think the Broncos are going to be able to settle in and do what it takes to get the win. All right, all right. Poor Kamish, the poor, the, I mean, come on. I, I, I'm guaranteed to only have two teams in this thing uh, at best. 
Wow. It's just not fair, you know? I'm telling the people at the ACHA hate hate the podcast. They hate the WCHL. <laughs> they hate the commissioner. What are they doing here? What are they thinking? Well, then we must have more than uh, 15 loyal listeners then, right? <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. See? Once again, facts. Brought to us by Niall Cooper. I love it. Hey, the next game on Saturday sees number seven, Jamestown, the Jimmies of Jamestown. Do you know what a Jimmy is? Um, I know Jimmy Johns. There you go. Freaky fast. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's I'm 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 with you too. I'm I'm I don't know what a Jimmy is. Um, I think it might just be someone that comes from Jamestown. So if maybe if there was a Nile town, they'd call them the Nileys or something like that. But uh, or Chrissy, you know, if they come from Chris Town. But, uh, okay, the number seven Jamestown Jimmies are taking on the number 10 Niagara Purple Eagles. Niagara fresh off that beating from Pitt um, in their conference playoff, and Jamestown fresh off beating, uh, laying the smackdown on Illinois State in their conference playoff. So what do you got there? Number seven versus number 10, Jamestown Niagara. Well, I think just as you alluded to, two teams kind of coming in with opposite uh, forms. In terms of Niagara on the down path and the Jimmies on the way up, I think the Jimmies not only are coming off that big win against Illinois State, but the, after that they also finished the year with a series against Minot State just because why not? Let's go out and play the best team in the country right before Nationals. Yeah, And they gave Minot State all they could handle with 2-1 to one and 5-3 to three losses respectively on the weekend. Uh, not only that, I think the Jamestown definitely sports one of the best goalies in this entire tournament in Brandon Ware, he has the second best save percentage in the whole country, which certainly is going to be a bonus for the Jimmies. You know, not knowing what a Jimmy is versus an Eagle, usually you'd want to take the Eagle, but I think the Jimmies of Jamestown get the job done here. Especially against a purple Eagle. It's not like they're playing a golden Eagle or a bald Eagle. They're playing a fictitious Eagle. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. Brandon Brandon Weir is a heck of a goalie, and um, and he's a freshman, and they've got another freshman on uh, on on that team. I think is uh, number nine, Brad Fortin, and uh, yeah, Jamestown. They they I, we talked earlier about it. You know, UNLV comes at you in waves. Jamestown comes at you in waves too. So yeah, uh, yeah this is I think this is going to be an ugly, ugly, ugly game for Niagara. You watch that; it'll turn out to be like a five overtime game. So, all right. Hey, the the last game on Saturday is going to see the eight nine seeds t- face off against one another. Indiana Tech is the eight seed. Maryville is the nine seed. Indiana Tech versus Maryville. This is a battle of the Midwest from St. Louis up to Fort Wayne, Indiana. So, what do you think there? Warriors versus Saints. Well, I think you always have to be wary of the Midwest teams when they get together because those are some kids that certainly know how to play hockey. And 8-9 is always a matchup that you never want to put money on because you don't know exactly how it's going to go. I think Indiana Tech as the number 8 seed does get a little bit of the nod here. They do have one of the best goal scorers in the country in Cameron Shabbat. They do have a great goaltender, Ty Barnhill. He went 13-1-1 on the year. I think that record would stand to take any crease in the entire country and when going through maryville's record you know i don't know if there was something in the air in st louis this year but it seemed like they're a little hot and they're cold they're kind of like a box of chocolates you never know what you're going to get sometimes they would show up and they'd have a dominating performance and then some nights they would be playing a division two school and they would come out and lay an egg and 
you know, not knowing which Maryville team is consistently going to come out there, I have to give the nod to Indiana Tech. I like that. A box of chocolates. You know, if you're, you're speak, you've seen me, Niall. Um, you know exactly how to appeal to me right through my belly. So a box of chocolates gets me interested. Um, but I, 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 you know, it'll be interesting. This is going to be a tight game. And you're right. Maryville does kind of run hot and cold sometimes. They, they thumped UCO on a Friday night and then they got thumped the following night. And, you know, they, I think it was like a five to one, six to one UCO victory. And then they took it on the chin, like eight to nothing. So Maryville just runs hot and cold and, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, all right. So the Saturday winners, according to Nile, are going to be Liberty, Central Oklahoma, Jamestown, and Indiana Tech. And what that means is on quarterfinals Sunday, uh, it's going to kick things off with number four UNLV against number five Liberty. And Nile, those teams have already played four times this season. Liberty won two games at UNLV. UNLV won two games at Liberty. So um, that's what we're looking at here. Uh, what do you think is going to happen in the rubber match game five? Well, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. And I think looking at both of these teams, there's certainly things in both of these programs that you could say lean towards being able to make a run all the way to the championship game. And obviously given the podcast that we're on here, you know, we certainly would love to see a team like UNLV make a run. I think Liberty would give them all, that they can handle and then some, but having seen UNLV very recently looking at their record of beating down teams that they play regularly and knowing that UNLV has already played three NCAA division one schools this year. I think UNLV has the pedigree to upend Liberty and to win the rubber match and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think that, uh, Especially with those two big wins at Liberty late in the season, yeah, I think UNLV is going to, going to uh, I think they'll be primed to win the win the season series and beat Liberty once again. Uh, all right, because Calvin, you had Calvin winning on uh, on Friday over Adrian, that bumps them to the last game of the day on Sunday, which means the second game of the day on Sunday will be number two Ohio against number seven Jamestown. What do you have for uh, the Bobcats versus the Jimmies? Well, you know, a, a Jimmy's luck can only run for so long, Chris. And I think <laughs> a Bobcat is one of the more formidable opponents in nature. And in spite of that, I am going to take the Jimmy's. I think no way. the Jimmy's overtake Ohio and they beat them. I think that Jamestown has played some of the best teams throughout the year. I think that they've been tested. Uh, and if you look at Ohio and you look at their games this year, they have only played, I think it's five or maybe six games on the road. Those were all early in the year. So this is a team that has not accumulated any air miles. They don't have, they don't really know what bus legs are. I think they finished the year with so many home games, having to travel to Boston in this different environment and play a neutral site game, I think is going to be very different for Ohio and is going to be a big adjustment for them. I think it's not big enough where it impacts them against Illinois, but I think when they go up against a team like Jamestown, I think the Jimmies have what it takes to beat Ohio. Ooh, I love it. From your lips to God's ears, 
let's hope that uh, that he's listening to Niall Cooper tonight. That's awesome. All right. So we have our, our first big upset in the quarterfinals. Niall says number seven is going to take down number two, Jamestown over Ohio. Great. I love it. Well, now let's see if the upset um, continues because the third game of the day, we'll see the number one seed Minot state taking on number eight, Indiana tech is, uh, are, are we going to, is going to go revert back to, uh, the seeding or do you still have another upset up your sleeve? Well, Chris, I think, you know, in the role of, of being a good storyteller, you know, it's important to kind of lay the foundation, maybe throw, you know, the people off. I'm not throwing anyone off here. I think we all know what's going to happen. Minot State's <laughs> number one team in the country for a reason. I think Indiana Tech, you know, it's a nice firm handshake. Thank you for coming out to Boston. You can go ahead and head home now. The Beavers are moving on. I like it. I like it. All right. In the last game on Sunday, we'll see the upstart, number 14, Knights of Calvin University, taking on number six, UCO. Broncos, Knights, six versus 14. What do you think? Well, I think Calvin, given the uh, the amazing insight that you bring, you know, I don't think everyone knows the knowledge that you have. You don't label yourself, Chris, as a hockey guy, but I think, you know, bringing in this, you know, piece of religious information with Calvin, the time of the starts, you know, that certainly changes everything for me rankings-wise and looking at the bracket. And I think they're just going to be a little distracted by their faith. And I think the Broncos came here with a purpose. You know, the Broncos made it all the way to the championship game last year, only to lose to a now NCAA squad in Lindenwood. And I think the Broncos have no interest in going home early. And, you know, notwithstanding the fact that we're on the WCHL pod, I think the Broncos make it past Cal. I love it. I love it. Niall Cooper has two WCHL teams in his final four. Your final four is number one, Minot, number four, UNLV, number six, UCO, and number seven, Jamestown. And when we get to the uh, semifinals on Monday, they reseed, or they don't reseed, but the highest plays the highest seeded team plays the lowest, and the two in the middle play. So that means game number one on Monday, the number one semifinal will pit Minot State against Jamestown. This will be the 432nd time they've played this year. You already alluded. They played <laughs> earlier this week, um, and Minot beat them 2-1 to one in Jamestown, and then they Minot beat uh, Jamestown the next night by a score of 5-3 to three up in Minot. So on uh, game 537 for this season, what do you think is going to happen? Minot State versus Jamestown, 1 versus 7. Well, you know, these two teams being so familiar with each other, having played each other throughout the year, you certainly think if there's any team in the country that might know what it takes to beat uh, Minot, it would certainly be the Jimmies of Jamestown. And I think that that certainly could be the case. However, Minot State have not lost once yet this season to Jamestown in all of the research that I was doing. And unless you have a groundbreaking piece of information for me, Chris, I think this has Minot labeled all the way to take down the Jimmies once again and make it to the championship game. Yeah, no groundbreaking piece of information. The only thing I see that Jamestown has over North Dakota is that it's further into America than Minot is. 
Um, it's a little bit more towards the southern border of North Dakota, more in the central part, whereas Minot's up close to uh, the border with America's attic. So um, that's the only groundbreaking piece of information I have. I think, yeah, Minot, if Minot and Jamestown have to travel all the way to Boston to play yet another game against one another, I don't see it coming out any differently. I kind of see Minot. I, I hope I'm wrong. Because remember, James sounds in my B conference, but Minot's just a beast. They're a machine, and uh, yeah, they're on a mission this year. I think they got embarrassed last year, getting knocked out in game one of their nationals, and so I think they're a team that's just driven. So, well, okay, so uh, game one, national semifinal number one uh, was the battle of North Dakota. Game number two, national semifinal number two, is going to be a WCHL affair. UCO taking on UNLV, number four versus number six. The two teams that fought neck and neck all season long for the conference championship. And they now these two teams have actually played one another already this season. It was a non-conference game in Denver very early. Um, UNLV went to Denver to play the NCAA champions, the University of Denver, and got absolutely blasted like 11 to nothing or something like that. Um, UCO was up in Fort Collins to take on Colorado State and won both won those two games, um, and then they played a third game on a Saturday afternoon down in uh, Denver. And UC, uh, UNLV ended up beating UCO. I think the score was five to two or five to three, but UNLV won that game. This would be uh, basically a uh, another grudge match, if you will, the conference championship. How do you see this one? The battle for the WCHL turning out. UCO versus UNLV. Well, as you mentioned, five to two win early in the year for UNLV. Uh, these teams have been going at it all year long. You know, UCO wins the conference. UNLV gets the higher rankings at nationals. These teams played each other last year at nationals. Correct me if I'm wrong. In the semifinals, with UCO getting the best of UNLV. Correct. And. You know, once again, I'm sorry, Chris, we're pitting, you know, two of your beloveds against each other here. I know. But I think that, you know, with a year to mull over what happened previously at Nationals and given the way the UNLV has played down the stretch this season, I think UNLV gets the best of the Broncos here and makes their way to the championship. All right. Very good. Very good. So UNLV would prevail and that would, that would seem to fit with the, uh, with the higher seed and also just with the level of, uh, you know, the, the quality of games, I'm not knocking what UCO schedule is, but you know, UNLV's played Alaska Anchorage and they've played Denver and they've played, uh, like gone on the road, had a a four, uh, four games against Liberty, two at home, two on the road. So, uh, you know, UCO's gone on the road too, but they've also played, you know, some Colorados and, you know, the Oklahomas of the world. So who aren't exactly lighting the, uh, didn't light the world on fire this year. So, all right. So that means um, the championship game Tuesday night, all the marbles in the Mar- in the Murdoch Cup, it'll be number one Minot State against number four UNLV. Now, before you uh, give us your ul- the, the ultimate selection, I just want to remind you, this is the WCHL podcast. Um, so, and that one of those two teams is in the WCHL. The other one is not. The other one wants to oh, be. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, North Dakota is just not West enough for us. It's a little too North for the West. So, Minot State versus UNLV. What do you think? I think, you know, Minot, you know, they're also an independent conference. So, 
you know, I don't know if they want to join the uh, the cream of the crop that is the WCHL. And obviously, you know, this is not a biased take at all here. Granted, the uh, the death threat that I received. Oh, wait, uh, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I think this is going to be a heck of a championship. Number one versus number four. These programs, these teams, I think are very similar, just top to bottom, the way that they run uh, offensively, defensively. They have heavy, heavy hitters from pretty much every position. They have good goaltending. They have good coaching. Both teams have played some of the top schools, whether it's Minot going up against some of the teams in the East, UNLV playing the best of the WCHL and playing against NCAA Division One teams. I think this would be one heck of a championship for everyone that would tune in. And I will say I have to give the nod here to UNLV because I think the goaltending is what makes the biggest difference at the end of the day for a team that wants to make a run. And I think number 29, Landon Pavlison, sporting a 168 goals against on the year and a 947 save percentage, which is higher than any of the grades I think I registered when I was at ASU. I'll just have you know <laughs> that I think that's the difference maker for UNLV, and I think that they beat the Beavers and take home the championship. Can you imagine the party that is going to happen in Las Vegas if uh, Coach Greener and Coach Rabone uh, bring the Murdoch Cup back to uh, back to UNLV. That would be awesome. What a what a gr- what a great thing. All right. Well, I like it. UNLV from the Western Collegiate Hockey League would prevail, according to Niall Cooper. Would be would take down. You know, this is a true David versus Goliath, if you will. Um, take down the beast that is uh, Minot State. I like that. Very, very good. Care to give us a, a final score prediction there since uh, you're going out on a limb saying the Rebels are going to win it? Well, I mean, we made it this far, Chris. So, you know, no point in, in coming up short here. I think I'll go ahead and say UNLV wins final score. Four to two. I think that last goal is an empty netter. I think Pavelson plays the game of his life. And I think the Rebels take the Murdoch Cup back to Vegas. And we all go ahead and book some flights to go join him in the party because it's going to be one heck of a party. Can you, I just can't. There's going to be so much trouble if those kids bring home the Murdoch Cup. I mean, I don't want to see. They just need to shut down. UNLV already has a pretty good little social media presence. You know, now sometimes they step over the line. Sometimes they're, uh, but most of the time they're they're right on the money. You know, they're they're pretty funny. They're they're pretty good. Um, but I'm telling you what, can you? We're going to have to shut them down if they uh, the, the the. It could be. It could get kind of carnal. It could, you know, the bacchanalia, the the celebration could just could be a little bit too much when UNLV brings the Murdoch Cup back to Vegas. I think we'll have to put the parental controls on all of their social media accounts for the weekend. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the direction I think we'd have to go. Yeah, they will. All right. Well, very good. Well, Niall Cooper, listen, you've been absolutely awesome. You brought not only hot takes, but facts to support the hot takes. That's why we have you on the WCHL podcast. Because we're not, again, not hockey guys. We're not used to facts. We're not used to, you know, stats. We're not used to dealing in reality. We just kind of make stuff up, you know, Purple Eagles versus Jimmies, that kind of junk. Um, but you bring knowledge and you bring facts and you bring stats and you bring reasoning and logic. And that's why we have you on the WCHL podcast. We cannot thank you enough. We hope 
that UNLV uh, prevails as uh, according to your uh, selection. But also, we hope that Arizona State, you know, finally makes it back to nationals, no longer gets bumped, so that you know maybe you can make it to nationals, you know, next year and call some Sun Devils games when uh, nationals is in St. Louis. That would certainly be the dream, Chris. I'd I'd hope nothing more than that. Maybe getting into a building with a slightly higher ceiling and slightly less asbestos will be the game changer there. (laughs) But nonetheless, thank you for letting me come on here and spit some of my uh, quote-unquote hot takes your way. I love it. I love it. Very good. All right, everybody. Hey, that was Niall Cooper with his uh, with his predictions, UNLV. And for all of the folks that uh, at UNLV that want to send uh, Niall praise, his email is iloveunlv at asu.edu. So uh, please be sure to send him some email, especially after, he, uh, after UNLV wins it. Now you want those invites to go go personally into your inbox, correct? Yeah, and that's that's all lowercase, by the way. No capital in that uh, email. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for uh, listening to this edition of the WCHL podcast. Thanks to Niall Cooper. Hold on, Nationals is almost here. Here we go. 